Hello, and welcome to Make Mine Multiversity, the best podcast in our universe for exploring the Marvel multiverse. I'm Elias Rosner. And I'm Jana Hill. And while I may be in a state of bewilderment and Elias may be in a state of disbelief, we are talking about the state of Marvel Comics. Excelsior. I have just spent the last two weeks in a pizza and turtles-induced coma, so... Uh, I'm trying to emerge from that and talk about what I know second best now, Marvel Comics. You're back from the sewers. I uh, I was I had plans to see that movie tomorrow. It's still playing where I'm at. Wonderful. It's it's great. This isn't the Turtle Cast, but y'all should see the movie if you can. Learn learn some secrets about ooze. I love turtles and learning secrets of ooze. Yeah, I'm so excited. I love the Ninja Turtles, and they. Looks so fun. And like Spider-Verse, which we talked a great deal about. Oh, yeah. They learned all the right lessons. I just got back. uh, I used to never, ever sunburn. And I just got back from the beach and I'm sunburned. But I've been reading all sorts of Marvel comics, most of them catching up on X-Men. But uh, we're not going to talk much about X-Men today. Although, also, you can't avoid X-Men these days. What's up with that? It's kind of wild. Uh are we back to the 90s? Was that the last time it felt like there were this many X titles? I mean, they were publishing a lot of X titles in like 2011, but they weren't good. Mm. Nobody nobody was buying them. They just kept on publishing them. I own issues of um, of Armor and, uh, and Quentin Quire Alpha and Omega. What? Yeah. Uh, this so that's a, a, a solo book? It was a, a, a miniseries about armor teaming up with Quentin Quire. It happened during uh, Jason Aaron's Wolverine and the X-Men. I mean, I like armor, and I guess I like Quentin Quire, but that seems like a bad team-up. It's fine. It's a fine comic. It's just like, that's the, that was the X-Men comics coming out in 2011, and mm. I uh, I don't have a lot to say about those, but I got so much to say about uh, Dark X-Men and Uncanny Avengers that I gotta wait a whole other episode to do it. Oh, yeah. So... Uh, besides the X-Men, wh- what have what have you been doing with Marvel Comics? Because I've been pretty, uh, I want to say I've been behind, which is true, but I feel less behind now than the last time we did this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was able to to power through a few, few comics. I think because they've released like three or four mini crossover events, and I powered through one or two of them, it forced me to catch up on some of the other ones as well. Yeah. So that's nice. And the Marvel slate is really weird for right now. For issues we'll get into, uh, for reasons we'll get into in a moment. Yeah. But um, I, I also feel like they're kind of grinding up their gears for a, to turn the ship real slowly. And you can just see the direction we're going to go in next. And I'm kind mm-hmm. of into it. I kind of think um, the things are shaping up to be a little exciting now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, um... First, I wanted to uh, go back to Earth 001, where it all began. And uh, will you weave me the tale of what the hell's going on with all these spider books? There's like a zillion of them. There are. And they're like entering the death of the Venomverse. And they just had Carnage Reigns, which I haven't finished, sadly. Maybe not sadly. Yeah, I I haven't read any of that, but I've gone into my local comic shop and there's giant posters for that. And I... And I'm like, I have a Marvel podcast and I don't even know what this is. I don't know. It's weird because we have 
the spidey side of things, but really it's split into the Venom side of things and then the Peter Parker side of things. Because Peter's mm-hmm. got his own shit going on, and then Venom's got his own shit go- going on. And we're about to get a brand new Venom, who is, a- according to the hype, it's going to be Black Widow. Like, taking I mean- on Venom as Venom. I mean, that's consistent with there's a couple of other, uh, you know, mainstream Marvel superheroes that are going to be uh, getting substitutes from someone very disconnected. Yeah. So I don't really know if I could tell you what's going on over there other than it sounds like Ewing and Ram V are wrapping up their time on Venom. Or maybe there's going to be this interstitial story and Torin Gronbeck is taking over. I'm not sure. I'll be you honest. Know, Black Widow as Venom isn't the worst pitch because Black Widow's problem is that there's nothing interesting about her, and Venom's a big <laughs> thing that's black goo. I do like I do like a good Venom black goo. I just I really want more of the Eddie Brock time travel stuff, and like <laughs> I like the the family drama between him and his son. That's been the main drive of the Venom book totally. that got derailed by by Dark Web. But I like it. I like all that kind of twisty shit. And I don't know if it's being on pause, put put on pause, if I'm just missing something, if they're building to wrap it up in Death of Venomverse. I don't know. Carnage, Carnage took over again. And Dark Web, they never really came back from Dark Web. Dark Web was such a weird, sudden thing that was like to- both tonally complete swerve and also had nothing to do with the story. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That it's been really hard for me to get in. And then every time you look at the line, you're just like, there's a gold goblin and a red goblin book. Are they the same goblin? I'm scared. I can't read this now. Well, the good news is gold goblin was a mini. Red goblin seems like it's an ongoing about Normie. I I read the first three issues. I couldn't tell you what's going on in that book. It's fine. It's, it's fine. Miles Morales, I'm enjoying. Cody Ziegler doing good shit. Yeah, Cody Ziggler is pretty cool. And um, I it's so weird to me that I feel like the out of comics Spidey media is stronger than it's been in like 20 years mm-hmm. with um, the, the the recent movie everyone liked and is excited for the next one. So we're in like a state of anticipation for that. And mm-hmm. the, the sequel to the beloved video game is getting hype and we're seeing more and more footage of that. And I hear all my friends getting uh, ready to play a Peter Marvel team up game. Yeah, and the Miles Morales book has been like the top set, not top selling, top circulated title on Libby, the digital library platform, basically since Spider-Verse came out. Like that is consistently one of the biggest circulators and purchases. And while I can point to a bunch of uh, stories where Miles Morales has great moments and I can point to some good Miles Morales comics, there's still never been a great Miles Morales run, I think. Yeah, and I'm hopeful Cody can can bring it. Right now he got derailed by Carnage Reigns, but we can hope. Yeah, I you know no no shade to him, but uh, uh, bigger bigger creators than him have fallen uh, in the face of these odds. Yeah, Hollow's Eve was great, great mini. I hope we get more. I, yeah, I just um. It's, I guess, my problem with Amazing Spider-Man right now, despite that I like the writing and I think it's very competently done, mm-hmm. is that it feels kind of flimsy. It's like not a big foundation to build your web upon. Well, yeah, it's not the central book, which is weird. So what's the central book? Is it Miles Morales? 
Well, in terms of like, what does it feel like is driving the Spidey line? That's Venom. Yeah, I mean, I guess Venom has felt like it's driving the Spidey line, and because uh, Dark Web really felt like Spider Man got dragged into an X Men event. Yeah, and it felt like a remnant of Beyond, and not what was going on in the main Spidey book. And like Beyond is a is tough shoes to fill, my friends. God, it is. And I still really like this main book, even with its questionable choices. I I just feel like right now would be the perfect time to you grab a uh, a Spidey villain who maybe uh, hasn't seen love for a long time, like Scorpion, right? Get Matt mm-hmm. Gargan back or something, and then have a book about uh, Peter and Miles, and they're the central dynamic. Mm-hmm. That's that's the everyone in the world likes that story right now, and I don't have any. If I'm selling comics, I don't have any comics to give them for that. You're you know, right. I have yeah. like I have like decent movie tie-ins. I really like Spider Geddon. I think is a really good showing for Miles Morales, and that's a good story. Mm-hmm. But like, if somebody wants something similar to what they have been liking lately, they certainly won't find that in the pages of these Marvel comics. That's true. Yeah. And speaking of uh, of you know. Superheroes that are my friend who protect me in New York City. Mm-hmm. What's going on with all the street level Marvel heroes? Uh, you mean where are they? Well, okay. So as far as I know, Luke Cage is the mayor of New York City. And we don't have a Luke Cage book. Why isn't there a Luke Cage book? And kind of, but why isn't we are why are we getting Brian K. Vaughn to just like reboot Ex Machina, but with Luke Cage? Oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> yes, yeah, see, there's there. Ooh. That was a bad pitch, and it's more exciting than anything that's happening in a in like a street level Marvel book. Uh, yeah, and all the street level heroes are kind of missing. Like you've got Moon Knight, but he's actually I think Moon Knight is the closest one, and even he's dealing with like vampire shit. Yeah, he's dealing with vampire shit because he's always kind of been there. And like a Luke Cage politics book would be great. Uh, Misty Knight, Colleen Wing, Daughters of the Dragon book coming out of uh, Beyond. No brainer. We don't have it. Iron Fist. I feel like we just changed his identity 10 times and it didn't stick. And now we're just throwing up our hands in the air and going, well, I guess no one likes Iron Fist anymore, which is probably true. Yeah, I I'm sad that the thing didn't actually get to be an ongoing. I think it could have had legs. It was just kind of too not deconstructed, but decompressed. It wasn't getting anywhere fast, so is there? There's no Shang Chi ongoing right now, right? No, it ended as well. So I guess the the closest thing I can think of to like a street level New York book is the ongoing, the She Hulk ongoing, which is delightful still. Oh, that's when I I still need to catch up on She Hulk. That's but and that's real a real like a uh, girl in the big city drama kind of thing, and it's and it's it's fun. It's it's really a great read, but like. There's all this, they had the uh, kid heroes were getting rounded up, and then Kamala Khan fucking died in the line of duty, which we're going to have to talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. And like, just like all these interesting things were happening centrally around New York, and now I don't think there really is a New York story in Marvel, and that feels very unmoored to me. Oh, yeah. They don't have anything going on right now. At least not a lot. I mean, they do. They And then uh, there was that Thunderbolts book that was pretty fun that I haven't seen a new issue of. Oh, I don't know what happened to that one. There, it was like Clint Barton, Hawkeye, and a bunch of like loser villains. There was a character named Guts and Glory, and he was cool. I wanted more of him. Maybe that got delayed a little bit. Maybe. I haven't seen a new issue in months. Unless it was a mini. 
I think, I mean, yeah, it could have been a mini and I it really fizzled out if so, but like that was taking place in New York and had a, had a tone was clear. Yeah. The, the street has kind of, kind of suffered. There's no Jessica Jones. Yeah. No, the pulse. I, I'm, I kind of miss, I was just looking at my shelf and I saw Gotham Central and I'm like, what? I, I miss a book like Gotham Central. Oh yeah. And that's, um. I feel like uh, the, these ongoings are sometimes in such autopilot that they're just going like really like broad, repetitive fantasy plots. And that's kind of been a problem with Marvel in the last few months, I think, is that a lot of series are, if not spinning their wheels, they're kind of pulling from the same four buckets and not really saying all that much new in each issue. Like, there's nothing grabbing people. It doesn't, they don't feel like units. They're just kind of interstitial pieces of a, of a chapter. Yeah. Well, like I'm, I'm, there's a lot of issues of Marvel comic where like a scientist will be stealing an unimportant, at least, you know, a vague MacGuffin and they're making a big commotion. So a superhero has to check it out. Like that's, that's just happening over and over again. And I know that's classic, but, uh, you know, if you, you need texture and specifics, there's mm-hmm. a, and there's a lot of stories where, like, the superheroes find uh, a, a minority facing a crowd of bigots and the superhero uh, stands up and uses their power to scare the bigots away. Tried and true. Tried and true Marvel stuff. Yeah, I'm just, like, seeing different iterations of those scenes, and it doesn't feel like uh, they're part of a bigger story about characters growing and changing or facing adversity. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's because I'm looking too small. Maybe this, the street is uh, not the place to look at that. Let's zoom all the way out, Elias. Um, what's going on in Marvel Outer Space? Space, space, space. Uh, what's going on? <laughs> I think I'm only reading Guardians of the Galaxy. Is that the only space book I'm reading? It can't be. Well, X-Men Red is where Nova is right now, for example. Yeah, but we're not talking about the X-Men. <laughs> right. And um, I'm try- it's Silver Surfer. It's been kind of M.I.A., yeah, because I think he's I think he's still got a weird hand. He's got a weird. I don't think he has a current. He's got that. There's that Silver Server reboot, reboot, rebirth issue or series that's you know set in the 80s. Mm-hmm. What else is going on in space? I mean, I know there's a whole bunch of digital stuff going on that I have been disconnected from, which is. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. because apparently that stuff is having effects on the the main line as well. Man, that, what a that's so interesting. We're such, yeah. at such a crossroads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just because the Marvel Unlimited app kind of sucks. <laughs> just, uh, I'm still all my habits are still based on reading issues. One thing I've been noticing is whenever an odd issue has been looking into space, Hulkling is still the emperor of the Kree Scroll Empire, and he seems to be kind of doing a great job. Yeah, that stuff has been stable, which is very nice. Yeah, when it was introduced, it didn't feel stable at all. It felt completely uh, like it, it was going to last a month. Mm-hmm. It was built on like a popular gay romance that had never existed in the movies. So that's right away like a red flag. Uh, Marvel editors are going to get rid of that real quick. <laughs> and like a, a young gay couple was allowed to be happy for any amount of time where we need... Uh, I thought that was going to get ripped away, but no, their relationship is still good. Wiccan is still a cool, uh, like prince consort advisor to the crown. Um, the Kree and the Skrulls seem to kind of get along. They're not really at any major wars with the Shi'ar or any of their neighbors or anything like that. 
Mm-hmm. They uh, like. I think if we were to make a timeline of screen of Korean scroll history from all of Marvel comics, this might be the brightest spot on it. Yeah. Isn't that wild to think about? Just like, I can't believe this happy ending was allowed to persist. We can all, we can hope that it continues, but we can also hope that they get an actual book. Right. That's a, that's a good point too. Yeah. Make have a, have Hulk, Hulkling commission a new guardians of the galaxy team. And like with his vision of what the team is, and then the the tension is between his vision and the actual execution because he's so uh, high up in his command. That's my yeah. that's my pitch for a book. There you go. I mean, we already have something dealing with the Kree Skrull Empire in X Men Red, as you were saying. Right. Like they're they're kind of poking at that, but. Well, okay. I so before know. we before we land on Mars, though, um, have you been reading the Star Wars books at all? Those happen in space. I've been reading Darth Vader, and then I caught up on the Han Solo and Chewbacca series, which is all right, or it was all right. I think it's over. Yeah, I. Uh, Darth Vader's still killing it. Yeah, Darth, literally and figuratively, Darth Vader's still <laughs> killing it. That's true, but I think. Um, I think Mr. Charles Soule's attention might have slipped elsewhere and the, the line also lost some coherence. I, th- I think you're right. I think he was he was busy focusing all his attention on the very well done eight billion genies. Uh, <laughs> one of my comics of the year for sure. And also like uh, he's been doing uh, Star Wars books and just like maintaining IP and also is still a full time lawyer. Oh, he is. Yeah. Immigration How laws. does this man do it? I don't know. I've asked him to his face and he just gives me this dark look and says nothing. Yeah, that 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 tracks he, when he when I saw him at a convention, he seemed haunted. Yeah, which is funny because the first time I met him, he seemed kind of happy go lucky. But I guess uh, burning the candle at like 14 different ends is going to get you a ball of wax. Yeah, and that was in 2019. Yeah, I'm afraid to see what what he's like now. I don't know. I'm sure he's people. great. I'm sure he's great. But like conventions will will drain you of life. Well, yeah. And what a what a grueling professional schedule. But it's as it's funny because we were just talking about how coherent Spider-Man feels. Star Wars brand doesn't is nothing. Star Wars brand is a bunch of paste. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I, we're, when we're recording the Ahsoka TV show is going to come out soon. And it's I don't even see like buzz. I just see like news like the new york times doing explainers to tell my mom who ahsoka is which seems like adverbally free advertising to me but that's neither here nor there who pretends to understand the whims of the marvel marketing machine not i yeah and uh (laughs) television writers and movie writers are still on strike and probably will be for the next couple episodes we record i at least at least I have no idea actually how I feel about covering stuff that's coming out for TV. Yeah. And movies. I don't know like what we're supposed to be doing. Oh, I, I we, we will have a I will walk you through some guidelines off the air. I have been keeping up with this because currently I, I was working in TV and movies before the strike and now I am not. Yeah, so I'm, I'm keeping up with that news. I'm waiting for the my, the emails to get returned. Um, and <laughs> speaking of returning emails, we ourselves are going to return and talk about um, every X-Men comic that doesn't have the X-Men in it after this break. 
Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinbro, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And welcome back. Elias, every, every book is an X-Men book now. Yeah, you throw a stone and suddenly there's Cyclops popping out telling you that he's going to start a revolution. I mean, if he could talk, I think he's dead. Is he? Did something happen to him in, like, Free Comic Book Day? I missed the Free Comic Book Day issue, and then it got referenced, and I was like, why is this the important one? We'll, uh, we'll check in with that uh, before uh, we ne- next record. But um, I, every book is an X-Men book, and I kind of don't hate it. I'm mixed. I like variety in, in my Marvel diet. But also, the X-Men books are the only coherent line, and I think they needed this coherence. Because they'd been sort of spreading out in a way that wasn't that interesting. Or it was, but it was like, it was getting too amorphous, and now they've kind of sucked it all back in. Yeah, but like, okay, so... um. I want to start with, so I've been reading and keeping up with uh, Iron Man, Jerry Duggan's Iron Man. Okay. Iron Man is a pretty tough sell. I can think of a lot of Iron Man runs that started pretty strong. I can think of very few Iron Man runs that are stone cold classics. And like, while I'm fan a fan of the Fraction run, mm-hmm. like it's it's hard to point to a, what's the last Iron Man run that you would say is uh, is not even great, is good. I think Christopher Cantwell did a good job. Yeah, it fizzled out a little at the end, but I think he 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 brought a good eye to Iron Man. I'm really curious to read that like mid 90s run where uh, Rhodey is Iron Man that we started with the Eternals. Yeah, I'm very curious what that run is like. I've seen uh, I've read issues around that time, but I don't think I've read that. I don't think they were Iron Man issues. Yeah, but like. The slot run was bad. I thought that run started good. Don't run member the Bendis one. Oh, you were you, you like the slot one? I like the slot run a lot more than most people. I thought it started very strong, it got pretty weak, and then ended pretty catastrophically. Um, the Bendis run was bad all the way through. That was the one that it was mostly about Riri Williams and Doctor Doom. Really, that was bad all the way through. I thought that was a pretty interesting idea. Cool ideas. Nothing really became of any of them. Good artwork, though. Mm. Really beautiful artwork for a lot of it. Alex Maleev. And the Kieran Gillen run is batshit bonkers, but is <laughs> very readable. <laughs> it's got like uh, 10 different people each taking a finger off of Mandarin. It's got giant mecha suits to kill gods. Uh, Death's Head is a major character in it. Hey, you've sold me on Death's Head. You'd like it. It's like a crazy in a way you'd appreciate. But yes. so right now, uh, Iron Man is very classical, right? I So there is um, there's a through line where Tony Stark is uh, recording his like memoirs. Mm-hmm. 
which is actually a great framing narrative because you keep on getting little moments where he's just like, ah, this story's boring, delete it. <laughs> which I, So I think the framing narrative is giving it a lot of fun. And uh-huh. then the, the story is very traditional Iron Man. His company got bought by a bad guy and now he's using it to... Uh, using Iron Man technology to make weapons, which was supposed to be impossible after the previous Iron Man run and the run before that and the run before that. And every Iron Man run where it ends with him being like, and no one will ever use my weapons for evil again. If only Marvel would let me rest. Yeah. But this time the villain is an, a really cool, well-established X-Men villain in Phylong, Mm-hmm. who I love. I think Phylong's been a really fun mar- uh, addition to Marvel re- lately. Mm-hmm. And um, he is using uh, Stark's company to build Sentinels, which are very clearly communicated to Marvel readers as like a device of state violence and hatred. Yeah. And so uh, and then now they look like Iron Man. So you're seeing like the so I feel oh. like it's right. The It's like they look half like Sentinels, but they're red and gold and they shoot repulsor blasts. Mm hmm. So and it's like a co-option of one symbol throwing it onto another and all of the terrible things that come about that. Yeah. And and so what what becomes of this is you're getting the theme of a good Iron Man story is being uh, attached to another good story in the X-Men. And then the supporting cast gets to be filled up with very vividly drawn X-Men characters who have a very strong uh, motivation and like place in a story right now. Like Emma Frost is in the book. And uh, Iron Man teamed up with Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And it's been fun. It's a, like a, that's characters you don't always get to see Iron Man interact with. And um, you get to see Iron Man. You know, Avengers are always bad guys in X-Men books. But now we get uh, uh, an Avenger book, an Iron Man book, where the X-Men are also the good guys. It's such a fun. It changes very little, but it's such <laughs> a but it gives it that texture that's missing elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It, it's a good it's good synergy yeah and um if you it, but if you have to put the bones of an iron man story on like a put a skin on the bones of an iron man story uh having mm. the bones be my favorite x-men characters will not make me sad adamantium bones yeah whoa what if tony stark gets adamantium bones what if he builds wolverine an adamantium exoskeleton to go with his adamantium endoskeleton isn't tony still like a code man I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the, the Dan Slot run has so many weird fucking ideas. Yeah, I will not be the one to deny that. I mean that—that's uh, most of Slot's books. Weird ideas and whether they work or not is depends on the book. The other non-traditionally X-Men book that has gotten completely hijacked by X-Men mm-hmm. is, as we talked about last time we touched upon this, uh, Ms. Marvel. Even, yeah, I mean, she hasn't had a book to herself in a while. But she's and appeared she in a number was, of issues. She has, and she was she was bopping around in the back of Spider-Man for quite a while. She was basically becoming a, a supporting character in that, although she never really got to do much in that book. And then for those who may not have known in issue 25 of amazing Spider-Man, they, or was it 26? I might've been 26. They uh, killed her off at the end of the issue and Marvel PR made a whole big deal of it. There was like basically a whole eulogy in the back of the, 
uh, the letters column, Nick Lowe was like, she's dead for realsies. Uh, and then they were releasing this special called Fallen Friend. And then less than a month later, less than a month later, maybe even two weeks later, they released some, what book was it? They had some scene, I think it was in one of the X-Men books, where Cyclops is like brooding. He gets a call about Ms. Marvel. And then they released the Fallen Friend special. And this galls me. This galls me. They release yeah. this goddamn comic book and they don't include the final page of it, releasing it day and date online as its own thing because it would have spoiled the fact that they're going to be res- resurrecting Ms. Marvel as a mutant. Which they've already done. Instead of including it in the goddamn comic book. Uh, and like it's the you want to talk synergy. This is the most corporate synergy thing we've gotten in years I'm so mad. Uh, I didn't watch the Ms. Marvel show, but I do know that they said she was a mutant, which felt dumb to me. And I know that they played the little sting of the X-Men, the animated series theme song that I love so much that gets me going. So, like, that would have worked on me. But I'm a mute because I didn't watch it. Yeah. And they didn't want to. I mean, I don't mind. I think in the show it makes sense, especially because they don't want to deal with the Inhumans after the Inhumans show bombed, even though Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did Inhumans very well. And we brought Ansem Mount back in Doctor Strange, so clearly we're not above mentioning Inhumans. Fuck that. Oh, we, we, that never happened. We can't say that. This is yeah. just the corporate synergy stuff. We're going to make X-Men movies, and now we're going to make Kamala Khan the leader of the X-Men or fucking whatever. Yeah, and, like, there are interesting story potential with this because eventually it turns out that Ms. Marvel, uh, our Kamala, is both inhuman and a mutant, and because her inhuman nature started before her mutant powers manifested, she wasn't killed by the Terrigimus, which, I, you know, I think that's actually a really interesting thing to explore. Me too. I read that, and I was just like, you know what? That's some, like, uh, comic book fantasy bullshit that intrigues me. Yeah, it's just the <laughs> everything around it was such corporate PR nonsense yeah that ends up affecting the story in a negative way in addition to it being something happening in one book and then happening in another book and then also they just erase everyone's memory of her ever being dead so (laughs) functionally useless yeah except except spidey just her family i guess I don't know. We haven't re- fully seen this. We're going to be getting a mini series where she's um, working with the the remaining mutants. It's written by Imani Velez. Velez is that her last name? The uh, the actress who plays Kamala in the TV show, and then the person who did the Dark Web Ms. Marvel miniseries, which worries me. I did not like that miniseries. Yeah, I don't remember liking that much myself. But, you know, I didn't like Jed McKay's Daredevil Man Without Fear. I thought it was just fine. And now Jed McKay's doing great work. So I'm reserving my judgment till the book comes out. But like, yeah, the, the whole thing's a mess. We've started to actually get it on the page, like you said. Like, And I'm just realizing, much like with Iron Man, um, having Kamala get to hang out with some X-Men characters I like and react to them is actually, uh, of a, you know, kind of refreshing. Yeah, it's not... Like, the what inside the world is not bad, but the way it's played out on the 
our Earth in the like on the uh, as a commercial aspect. Those are all the parts that I think were bad. And yeah, I've had to surgically uh, remove those things from my memory with my psionic knife made of the focused totality totality of my power. Yeah, I th- I think they 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 really screwed the pooch on that one. I I agree, which is why I'm willing to take a deep breath and read the next issue as it comes out because uh, mm-hmm. on the page they have uh, completely won me over to to my mind has been opened. Mm-hmm. And speaking of having hope for future Marvel comics, you want to tell our listeners about our last our last best hope for Cap? Yes, after much floundering in the Captain America verse. We got some good and some bad in the last few years, but now my boy, J. Michael Straczynski, is coming to the title with uh, Jesus Saez as uh, the artist. I'm so excited. Now, I've been watching uh, Babylon 5. I'm on the final season now and uh, really enjoying it. So I have never been more ready for uh, JMS Captain America book. And also, like we talked about my, uh, Jim Michael Straczynski so much on this show, we talked about his background. Just like if there's anyone who I want to see uh, putting their politics into a Captain America book right now, it's him. Yep. Yep. He He's very explicit. He's like, all right, we're setting some stuff during like right at the end of World War Two. We're going to punch some Nazis. Oh, yeah. Like uh, this is a dude who's uh, very thoughtful about how fascism rises. Mm-hmm. For sure. So I'm very excited for Cap, and as uh, we'll talk about in our X-Men episode, uh, Cap is also connected to the X-Men world in a way that I actually really like, which is um, Uncanny Avengers has started, which is a team okay. that Cap is uh, co-leading. He co-led the team um, in their earlier iteration as well. Mm-hmm. But what the book kind of seems to be addressing is that in X-Men books, Captain America is almost always a villain. Yeah. Captain America protects the status quo and the status quo puts mutants down. So this is a book that's not really taking Cap the task for this, I think, and um, giving him a chance to fight against the system, um, on, you know, alongside the people who he has ignored in the past. Mm-hmm. That's a dynamic that I can get behind. Yeah. And so those two things coming together, uh, I'm very excited for a Captain America book like I haven't been in quite some time. <laughs> yes, me too. As for the wider Avengers, I don't know if I'm reading that much. Um, Every so often I try to check out what Carol Danvers is doing and it never really grabs me. I don't know what she's doing now. We just finished. Kelly Thompson just wrapped up her 50 issue run, which kudos. I think it's a solid, solid run. Maybe not the most amazing thing I've ever read, but I think anyone who's coming to the title and coming to the character, I think they're going to get a lot out of it when they come back to it. Yeah, consistently strong characterization, really good writing. Like, Kelly Thompson's prose is uh, above a lot of other comic writers. And a fun team book. Like, all the supporting characters feel like they were given depth and breadth without one really overshadowing another too much. People came in and out. It, it felt like a genuine ongoing series. My big quibble is the thing that you were just harping on. A lot of this book felt like continuity cleanup to better synergize with this or that. I mean, it it was, but that's also because, you know, whatever happened in the the previous run with with Cap, I don't even know. I read the last miniseries and I thought it was garbage, <laughs> but I know other people really liked it. And like people like the Spider-Woman run and I really hated that run. So what do I know? I don't know if people liked it. I kind of I liked it, but 
maybe I'm a fool. I got enough people yelling at me on Twitter. Really? Which, uh, yeah. Uh, it's not called that anymore, Elias. Well, no, this was this was back when it was. Okay. Back in the heyday when the when Nazis were only half banned, and now they're no banned. <laughs> Until uh, we have to pay for our bans, which I'm assuming is the next move. Eh, probably. Are you reading anything else with like a, an Avengers character in it? Because I'm not. A solo Avengers? Yeah. I'm trying to think. Or, and as for the team book, like uh, the team book is really, it started off uh, inoffensive and has left no impact. I mean, I'm reading the new Incredible Hulk book, which is very good. Really? I haven't started that yet. Oh, yeah. it's uh, it is It feels like the successor to Immortal Hulk. Whereas the previous Hulk run felt like a successor to Hirokala. Ugh. And I, I do actually want to touch on that really quickly. Both Hulk and Thor suddenly saw Donny Cates disappear. And I thought it was because Marvel had given him the boot. Turns out he was in a terrible car accident. Oh my goodness, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, he was, I don't know if it was in a coma or like, it was bad. Like that's why he, Johnny Cage dropped off the face of the earth for a few months. So I hope that he is getting better and can come back to writing. But like, I figured I should say that here because I have been down on the books. It doesn't change how I feel about his writing, but like, that's what happened and why he suddenly disappeared off of these two books. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for letting me know. That's the first I'm hearing of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it, not great. He's He's alive and he's on the mend, which is all we can hope for that, yeah. he's, that he's getting better but as far as other avengers books I that, don't think that so. also explains why the avengers line in general suddenly seems like a lot of uh uh weight got taken out of it because it lost one of its main writers yeah kind of a lot of the, the supporting ones but the i mean the main avengers book i'm it feels like a mix between hickman and Scott Snyder, if that makes it, sense. Yes, it does make sense. That's exactly right. That's the tone I'm getting from the current Avengers stuff, and I'm I'm really digging it. It's fun. It's fun. We'll see if it holds weight beyond the first arc, because much like Jason Aaron's, that first arc, big statement, you always got to see where it goes from there. Yeah, I'm less optimistic than I was uh, at the beginning, but um, I'm hoping... I'm hoping to be proven wrong. I want to. I I want to like it. it. It is fun. Yeah, I I kind of hope he does a few like small arcs, like two or three issues. Yeah, that would be good. Like building things up. I think that would be that's a good rhythm just to hit. Let's let's recompress the the front half of a series. <laughs> yeah, because I'm looking across the the whole Marvel line right now, and I'm realizing, am I crazy in feeling like there are more like creator nostalgia issues than ever before? No, there are there are a lot of them, and they seem to sell well. I, I haven't actually counted, have you? No, but I'm trying to think. I know there's always at least one Peter David book, usually a Hulk thing or a Spider-Man thing. There's the Ron Mars Silver Surfer stuff. There's the random X books, like The Days of Future Past, Deadly Regenesis, Extreme X-Men. That Days of Future Past one is bad. Let's see, what else is there? That's the seven or eight I can think of right off the bat. It reminds me of like, um, 
you know, you're watching wrestling and Undertaker shows up and it's not like, like he's going to take 15 minutes to walk to the ring because he's fucking old. <laughs> he can't really move very quickly, but like he could do a couple cool poses. He could pretend to lift a guy up while the guy kind of like jumps in front of his hand to make it look like Undertaker's lifting him up. Right. But you yeah. applaud and you're like, hey, it's the Undertaker. I remember when this was uh, the, the the coolest, newest thing. Mm-hmm. But what's going on now feels more like when Goldberg comes back and he just starts like coming in and then he just beats the champion in like 15 seconds. <clears throat> and you're just like, well, who is this for? And then you find out, yeah, just like you're saying, those episodes where Goldberg comes and takes the belt off the champ in 15 seconds where nothing happens and it's boring. You suddenly find out that five million people watch that one. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, some of them I've liked, I guess. Like, the Maestro stuff was interesting, but I've also never read any of Peter David's old Hulk stuff. Oh, Joe Fixit. He was doing a Joe Fixit series. Yeah. And then there's the Claremont stuff with Gambit and... God, there's... Yeah, there have been a lot of them. They're all minis, blessedly. They're all minis. I mean, if they're selling, I guess, good for them. And I, you know, I don't spite those guys get money, but it really yeah. uh, isn't isn't doing a lot to make me feel, again, like uh, Marvel has coherence and momentum. Mm-hmm. Another type of issue that I'm seeing a lot of, um, although this has been going on for a couple of years now, is these anthology issues that they've been doing more and more. I have I have a confession to make. I haven't read any of these anthologies in two years. Well, that's telling in and of itself. But I love anthologies. I'm glad that they're putting out anthologies. Like that's, I like anthology books, but I think one of the issues with them is they're all they're so isolated from each other. I think I like what Batman Urban Legends over at DC was doing. I was going to say almost the exact same thing, but because that's kind of like a, every story and that feels like a short story, right? Mm-hmm. It's a little moment that they picked that they specifically wanted to illustrate that, give, that gives a context to something else. But it's not like... Um, it's not completely forgettable. It's shortened to the point. Yeah, and it seems to be, you know, it, sometimes you'll have a three-parter. Sometimes you'll have a six-parter. Sometimes you'll have essentially a full issue's worth for one story that serializes across two or three issues and then two or three backups. Sometimes they're five pages. Sometimes they're ten. All of that stuff. Really like it. Yeah. But, like, the random anthologies here, they're fine sometimes the stories are pretty good i feel like they're not usually pointed they often just yeah. feel like um they, they feel like they have a couple of beats they want to hit mm-hmm. you want to have Iceman like uh being like uh he's out and he's being social and having fun and then he gets interrupted by some sort of superhero shenanigans and then a bunch of people uh try to make fun of him but he's got like a zinger and then he comes back and his date is like all impressed right mm-hmm but that doesn't feel like uh, that doesn't tell us anything. It really doesn't tell us anything about Iceman that we didn't already know. Correct. Yeah. And that's what that's what those those Batman ones are so good at is um, they we all know everything about Batman. So they really have to think of a different angle on a story. Like, do you remember that one? I think it was in um, Detective Comics a thousand where uh, the chest plate of Batman's bat suit was made of the melted down gun that killed his parents, which is fucking psychotic, but really so true to me. Like, yes. obviously, Bruce Wayne would do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, that, I want to see more like that over at the Marvel end of things. Yeah, they, they're not taking the big swings. They're all, they're so safe. Yeah. And I get it. That's because a, a lot of these anthologies were originally 
celebrations of diverse characters and diverse creators, whether or not that was done cynically or not. It's a, it's a big corporation. Of course it was done cynically, but you know but what I mean. But in this case, uh, the, the second half... Of- but now we got Marvel Voices X-Men. Why? Well, now it's kind of just like, I don't know, just like anybody who uh, we think our audience would obviously agree is part of a marginalized group. And that's a long sentence to qualify uh, what this anthology is supposed to be about. But Marvel Voices, I guess, is X-Men, is it just celebrating diverse voices in the X line? It's diverse voices writing X characters. It's not diverse voices that are necessarily fronting an X book. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know how I feel about them. I wish they were better. Yeah, I, I, I wish they were pointed because a lot of times they um, I'm, I'm always happy to see the creators getting work. But I wish uh, I, I wish it felt more urgent, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I see here you added um, something to our discussion as we're uh, getting near to the end, which is a, a great addition because it's an awesome fucking book. Yeah. So we haven't gotten the end of any of these. We haven't even gotten the first issue of one of these, but I wanted to carve out a small space to talk about Hickman coming back to Marvel. He said he had another project and he had been working on it for a while. Then he vanished for three years. Yeah, for three years. And then he had two books come out, one of which was a complete surprise. And the other was the teased book, G-O-D-S, Gods. And we've been getting like these little tidbits of of that in the backs of some of these issues, especially in the X-Men issues. But in the meantime, he's been writing a book with Brian Hitch on art called Ultimate Invasion. Which is good. Which has been nuts. Yeah, well, you you want to talk high concept. There's a high concept for a book. Yeah. What's the high concept? The maker, Evil Reed Richards, escapes from his prison and is like, I liked the Ultimate Universe, but I want to rule it better. So I'm just going to recreate it in my image. And he goes in and he, like, stops Spider-Man from becoming Spider-Man by pulling the spider off, locking up these other heroes. And, like, we get this methodical breakdown. And it's so interesting. Well, because the it's it's a great high concept. It's what if a like a genius bad guy had read every single Marvel comic, so he knew all the heroes' origin stories, and so mm-hmm. he just like went back and just stole them all, and then he would be every superhero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a fun like already. I'm like, yeah, I'll go on that ride. But because it's Hickman, you know, it's going to end up somewhere, and I mm-hmm. really I can't wait to find out where where that is. And I have no love for the Ultimate Universe, and even I'm like, ooh, if the Ultimate Universe comes back, which is what they're building to, what is it going to look like now? What are they going to do with it? I feel, yeah, I feel like whatever the Ultimate Universe is going to be has got to be a completely, like, it's just, is it going to be a new thing for those words to mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I just wanted to touch on that because we have precious little about gods and only like an inkling of where ultimate invasion seems to be going but it's just nice to have hickman releasing a book again that's absolutely whatever he's doing at three worlds three moons which i love but it's not the same yeah hickman superhero stuff is it's special it's great and um i like how completely uh, unknowable this is still is there's like Mm -hmm. the issues are out but i still i'm I have no idea where it's going, and I can't. I can say that about precious few books. Mm-hmm. So the last thing you, that you wanted to talk about, 
Yeah, so I thought that there was one obvious pick for just the best Marvel book. It's the one that uh, the second I see it every month, I got to read it every single month. It is uh, not only a joy, but a shocker. And, and it's sly and it's playful. I am talking about Ryan North's Fantastic Four. So good. No arguments from me. However. Just as A+. plus. Yes, however, I had another book on that list. And I say had because as of, well, last week, basically, since since we recorded, it is over, which I'm very sad about. Uh, and that is... Chip Zdarsky and Marco Cicchetto's Daredevil. Of course. Every issue. That came out top of the list. Came out the same week as Fantastic Four. I didn't know which I wanted because I wanted to know, did I want to be sad or did I want to laugh? That's They were both that good, but totally different tones. Even though the Fantastic Four issues, I forget which one it was, but like really emotional. I think it might have been 13. Might have been 13. I'd have yeah. to look back. Yeah. It, big emotions. Really funny. It somehow is managing to like uh, find this sweet spot where, uh, you know, grounded Fantastic Four sounds like the worst pitch to me. Yeah. But the, but this is like um, actually like a X-Files Fantastic Four, like Twin Peaks Fantastic Four. <laughs> it's grounded in that it's, you know, held together and kind of not pie in the sky heads in the clouds but it's still you know science adventures ridiculous time travel like all the stuff that fantastic four do on a day-to-day but without the like world ending stakes every time yeah i um there's a grant morrison quote i have probably repeated on this podcast that i think about all the time (laughs) which is uh when someone asks grant morrison what's the secret to writing a good superman story Mm -hmm. grant morrison said it's the same as writing any other story. You just got to make it super. So you want to tell us, you think about whatever happened to you that day. You want to tell the story about you took your dog for a walk? Well, Superman took his dog for a walk on the moon. Yep. You want to tell a story about uh, your in-laws came over? Well, your in-laws came over, but they're alien conquerors. Uh, just like uh, just uh, Superman is the, the, um, the most relatable guy. His problems are just like us, but bigger because he's bigger. And uh, that's exactly what the Fantastic Four feel like. They're, they're, their problems are just like us, but they're fantastic problems. Yeah, and that's what Ryan North has basically been doing with with Fantastic Four. It's been so nice, so good to see. It's a breath of fresh air every month. And like all these other ones, you never know what's going to happen. Every issue is self-contained for the most part, but still telling an ongoing story. He's just he's hit that rhythm perfectly. And it feels great to have Fantastic Four be like a pillar of Marvel again, because right now Fantastic Four feels more central and important than Avengers. Yeah, even if, again, the stuff that's happening in the book doesn't feel like it's affecting other books in the same way, it's not meant to be. And you can feel it like when you're reading uh, Fraction Hawkeye, where uh, this book is obviously so good and just hitting such a chord with everybody. Mm-hmm. that um, its influence is going to be felt for a while. I bet we're going to see a lot more uh, episodes. These books are hard to do, I think, is why you don't see them. But I think more, mm-hmm. more and more people are thinking about different approaches. Yeah, and I think this, I think North saw what Hickman was doing and then applied what he was doing on Squirrel Girl to, with that same mode. Yeah, you're so right. Because like, 
I also really liked how Secret Invasion felt like something completely different. Like it was a paranoid thriller and it committed to that. It was a five issue mini and it did what it was supposed to do. It redeemed the name Secret Invasion. For some, perhaps. For some. Well, oh, why? Do you think there are still people who really like the original more? No, I think there's uh, some people who hated the TV show so much that the name will never be redeemed. Oh, I didn't even see the TV show. It was not well li- well received. Ooh. Oh, boy. It was okay. fine. It was kind of boring. Oh, no. <laughs> I lost my point. I think I lost a point with that. <laughs> well, the uh, the moral point is that Ryan North <laughs> is doing stuff right. And I think people are starting to look up and notice. Yeah. Yeah. D- and... Did you did you read the last issue with uh, the the space the spaceship? Yes. Oh, so good. So good. So good. Yeah, scary, I just, but also. I, mm-hmm. I just can't recommend to listeners enough. If uh, whatever your feelings about the Fantastic Four, this book is going to be like a huge uh, inflection point going forward. For sure, and Alicia Masters is in it, and she is. Excellent. A delight. A delight. And a main core part of the, the series. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited to see uh what they what happens when they finally get to the one year point. Right. They had there's a there's a big uh time like timer built on the plot when uh everything's gonna change mm-hmm. and and presumably uh go back to normal, which means that definitely won't happen. No. No. Uh, I, I'm now really excited for the next issue of Fantastic Four. Yeah, you got me hyped too. Damn it. <laughs> but what are we doing next time? Next time, we are having an episode a little bit similar to this one, but instead of not talking about the X-Men, we are only going to talk about the X-Men. As we are wont to do. As we That's are what you're here to for, do. right? That's what I'm here for. I stick around for the X-Men. <laughs> Shadow Cat with a K. Uh, okay, yes. we, we're going to have to talk about that. Uh. Feed me more. <laughs> but until we get to Shadow at, where can they find you on the larger interwebs? Can you they? You know, I, I'm not uh, trying to hide or nothing, but it's pretty hard to find me. I'm not an excreter. I'm not on that X site. But I can be found at ramblingmoose.tumblr.com. I've been on Reddit a bunch lately, but that's because I've been playing video games, Baldur's Gate specifically, and I've just been like completely immersed in that, reading uh, Forgotten Realms lore on the Reddits. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm not really uh, social mediaing as much as I once did. Are you on social media, Lies? Can folks find you on the internet? Again, I still have the account, but... It was never active, very active to begin with uh, over on the platform formerly known as Twitter uh, at Quetzal-ish. That's Q-U-E-T-Z-E-L-I-S-H. Uh, you can also email me at erosner with an S at multiversitycomics.com. Yeah, that's pretty much all the places you can find me that I'm willing to share and or think I still have access to. Other than that... This episode was edited by Livian Safir, and our theme music is Excelsior by Carol Romo. Get ready. It's time to phase through walls next time. Excelsior.
Thank <laughs> you.